Here we go. Everybody, this is Bar Crawl Radio. We're at Gephardt's, uh, across the street from the uh, mortuary and, and down the street from Trader Joe's. And by the way, if you didn't notice, you all out there, you Bar Crawl Radio crazies, we're living in a weird, weird moment. The history books for all time will record that the 45th president of the United States was and continued throughout his administration to be a TV game show bully who undermined the democratic values of what was a great nation. It will be reported that the popular media series at the time, The Handmaid's Tale, turned out to be all too prescient as large areas of the country went nativist. That's really scary, Alan. Uh-huh, I know. You know, it begs the question, though, where is this country headed with Trump at the helm? Civil war? Surely not. But I think it's interesting that Trump has predicted that Democrats will become violent during the midterm elections. You know what, though? I think it's actually Trump with his nativist baiting, mm-hmm. I'm really concerned that it could actually be Trump inciting violence by his white supremacist supporters. It's scary, because it's all too possible. This is Bar Crow Radio, and today we are talking about immigration. Not the Trumpian-produced issue of immigration through our southern borders, but the wholesome sense that we are a nation of immigrants. From the beginning, our country has been formed by immigrants. We are talking today about what it means to be an immigrant and the value of immigration to this country, the United States. I'm Ellen Winston. And I'm Rebecca McKean. With us is Alina Larson. Hi, Alina. Welcome back. Thank you. So tell us all about your Galapagos trip. It was wonderful. I highly recommend it. We saw a million animals. Like what, what animals did you see? Giant tortoises, giant black marine iguanas, pelicans, sharks. We swam with tortoises and oh, giant wow. stingrays. And I've always wanted amazing. to be bitten by a shark, just for the heck of it. Yeah, yeah that's a great story. A yeah. Wait, yeah. Yeah, I mean, were, you say, were you? There's a story there? They you say, where'd you lose your leg, man? No, oh. no, 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 we did not get any bites. No. No. People live on the Galapagos? Yeah. Yes, honey. Yeah. There are people oh, no, no, no. I, know I mean, I totally I get it because population. I feel like I had zero understanding, like, is it a park? Is it, like, how does it work? Yeah. You know, you hear yeah. about them curtailing people, you know, numbers being able to come in, doodly-doo. Like, that just felt like, a, it felt like a big mystery. Yeah, it and, is. It is a, bit, and, a big yeah. mystery, I think. Right, exactly. Right. So, there's a, is there a city <laughs> there? Is there a restaurants there, and you know you get turtle soup and stuff you know i should have my knowledge at the tip of my fingertips as far as how many galapagos islands there are it is it's sort of partially lush and then partially um more deserty lava landscape with like giant cactus trees yeah. so there's no synagogues there's there or anything probably <laughs> not i hear the wi-fi there is really awful the Wi-Fi in the Galapagos is kind of <laughs> nice. It's yeah. all their wires are above ground. Oh, so, so they do have Wi-Fi. They do have it, oh. but it really worked like 1 a.m. to 8 a.m. Maybe <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we were. So you got to get all your we uh, sending, Netflix in while in the middle of the in night. In the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> we were sending emails to Alina, and they came back, um, you know, not delivered or something. And was going, oh no, she hates us. She doesn't want to work with us anymore. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. And I could, She's they, blocking they, us. It's, no. They smelled kind of fishy too. I don't know about that is that possible no no uh, my imagination yeah yeah where did you stay we stayed in santa cruz and isabella are the two main islands there santa cruz uh the port town there is is more developed you know has a bunch of hotels and then the one in isabella um is really just a nice rustic beach town we liked that better, actually, so we were there a full week. Yeah, that's um, nice. But, yeah, we had a hotel on the beach for 50 bucks. Whoa. Oh, my god! With our own posse of about 200 iguanas. I mean, do they kind of crawl over you while you're having your coffee in the morning? And no, no. I mean, I'd come out to the balcony, and there'd be about 20 of them sitting there. 
they'd hang out by the beach bar. Okay, that was my next question. <laughs> that is makes there sense. a bar? Yeah. yeah, yeah. At our place there was, which was nice, convenient. So, right. Yeah. What would, what's the drink of the Galapagos? Is there a you know, there is a lot of people drinking micheladas, which oh. I'm not sure why that surprised me. Um, What's I a michelada? just had that for the first time in Mexico. Well, there it was beer, and then everybody had it mixed with passion fruit. Oh. Um, so it was good. I mean, it's not like you could really chug it, but, you know, it's something different. It was tasty. And I, I bet was it was into. refreshing. It was refreshing. Was it cold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and cold mm. and, right, nice. salt. On yeah. the beach? Yeah. No complaints. Yeah. So Sounds it was like good. our honeymoon, sweetie. Yeah. Another yeah. one. <laughs> In Antigua. We had our nice. own bar. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the drink there it's was, was nice. uh, like ginger beer and. Uh, oh, yum. And what, what, what did you drink? I uh, drank pina coladas. Pina coladas, oh, right. That I was yeah. very young. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. It, it, once again, it was off season. Is an off. And that's wait, so what, smart. Was it in June? But anyway, it was off season. It was okay, but we're we're yeah. back in New York now. Yeah, yeah. we're all back. Get, get we're all and, uh, back. I'm I'm uh, I'm drinking. Uh, what am I drinking? Breakfast stout, which it's is dark. very coffee tasting. Mm-hmm. And Becky, you're having your Tito Tito's and tonic, and tonic. Mm-hmm. with a lot of lime. A lot of lime. I know. They You've got took like me an seriously. entire lime in there. <laughs> I like this guy. And Alina, you've got industrial arts wrench. Yeah, that's it. Industrial arts wrench. Like throwing a wrench in it. Yeah, but it's It's more like throwing a grapefruit in it. Yeah, I like it. All right, I I did too. (laughs) She said that defensively. (laughs) I know. So Becky, you wanted to yeah. uh, Well, you know. So what proof? What you know? My my drink is about um, I think eighty proof. Do you know what your uh, alcoholic content is? Uh, it's not much. They're usually about eleven percent, but that's different than proof. I think they talk about beer differently. So I thought, you know, as a bar crawl radio, we should be, you know, have a little educational segment. And uh, most people don't know what proof is. Okay, let me ask you a question here. Mm -hmm. All right. What is proof? Proof is a word they use to determine to say how much alcohol is content is in your spirits, usually. Mm-hmm. I think with other alcohols, they just talk about, like with, with wine and beer, they talk about a, percent, a direct percentage. But with um, spirits, if it's 80 proof, that means it's 40% alcohol. So it's half. If they say 100 proof, that means per ounce it's 50% alcohol. And the word proof comes from the 18th century, you know, when the farmers realized that they could make more money making whiskey with their corn, they started doing that. And then I guess some of them realized that they could even make more money if they added water to the whiskey. Fire yeah, beware. Yeah. So the, the sailors, you know, would test the, the alcohol mm-hmm. by taking a pinch of gunpowder mm. with a little bit of the alcohol and lighting it aflame. So if it exploded... That meant that there was alcohol, alcohol. that it was, it, there was, you know, it wasn't watered down. Alcohol is present. So the louder the explosion. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know how many people got hurt and lost an arm <laughs> doing this test. But well, hopefully and, they were drunk at the time. And I think there's dis- different systems now for determining the, the alcohol's proof. But, um, and I don't think that um, the spirit makers, the distillers are adding water. But nevertheless, that's where the word comes from. I don't know why you wouldn't mm-hmm. well, you'd think that. I, I don't think, you know, distillers are any more honest these days. Uh, I don't know. But I didn't say that. But, you know, if it's watered down, you know, people are going to notice it, I would think, I guess, too. I yeah. guess, you yeah. Yeah. Well, you were a bartender. You know, you can kind of water it down later in the night. Never did. Okay. Never did. When you work in a bar, that's where the money's made. The money's never made on the food service. Yeah. The money's made in the yeah. bar. What they make on that bottle of spirits is um, astronomical. It's soda, too. Sodas cost them like a penny, and they sell it for 2 or $3. Dollars. That's where you make, that's your, that's your bread and butter is a bar. Right. You don't need to water anything down. And you want people to come back. Sorry, you asked. <laughs> you shouldn't um, get me going, babe. On our, our, our last program, we had Nathan Lentz on, uh, yeah, The World of Humans That was guy. mean. That was mean and what we, did, we did. And we did a mean thing to him. So I told Nathan that I couldn't understand him because he was talking too fast. I listened well, to he's a science. He's a science guy. And, and he, he has, has a, a podcast, podcast called World of Humans. The World of Humans. Excellent. Excellent Check it podcast. Out. But he talks very fast. And so... I was listening to it, and I was really trying to understand what he was saying. It was a little bit, you know, beyond my abilities. So, you know, on the iPhone, you can either speed up or slow down the vocal. So I slowed it down, and it was hilarious. It was so funny. Because it sounds like he was drunk. So I told him that. I said, 
this is what I did, and it was just hilarious. You could, yeah, I said, you have to listen and I to put yourself. And I put it into the Bar Crawl Radio number 18. Okay, yeah, and we played it. We one. played it while, you know, so he could hear it while he was in, during the middle of the interview, yeah, and he thought it was funny. very funny. But I said to Alan, no, we got to do it to ourselves. He's not, right. he, he's, he's not returned my calls, though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, so Nathan, so, if you're listening out there, Turnabout is Fair Play. Turnabout is Fair Play. So this is our... Um, Island to Island show. Yeah. And it's our introduction, but it's slowed down. Slowed down. Okay, okay. That's Earl's World by Charles Tolliver. And we are Bar Crawl Radio, coming to you from island to island. Yep. Hi. I'm Becky. Rebecca. And I'm Alan. And, uh... I gotta lower the sound here a little bit. It's, it's coming out a little hot. We don't have any. Well, it's a hot night, honey. Yeah. If someone's listening, they want to call me, <clears throat> and you know my number. Let me know. <laughs> I. And if your name is Barbara Winton. Well, no, I don't know if Barbara's listening, but I think <laughs> Sam, Sam, my bowling buddy, is um, <laughs> is listening. So, um, Sam, of course, you Sam doesn't have my one. number. Yeah, he doesn't have my number. No, I'm not gonna give my number. Not out. much he can do. You can. No. Give your number out. No, I'm not give my number out. There might be somebody listening. One person, you know, who can call you and let and you give, know. And just give my number out? Yeah. But, I mean, this is going out, like, to the universe. I'm getting calls from Martians. <gasps> Okay. I should really do. Are you give your number out? Okay, that that's our version of Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you if you did that to anyone, even if they're like you know Einstein, or I like know, really well, smart, like Obama, you know, and they you slowed it down. It would sound stupid. Like but they that. have drunk yeah. history. They have those that the video of drunk history where they actually get people drunk, which I personally didn't think was very funny. It's kind of sad, but you don't have to do that. You just no. have to turn the, the... Yeah, just take any intelligent conversation, turn it down slow, and, and yeah. it's like you're, you know, you're dumb and dumber. <laughs> you're, you're all over again. I mean, maybe that's a podcast. Maybe that's I'm what we should be doing. I'm number out. Okay, everybody. <laughs> but we are. Becky and I are going to MapCon <laughs> at the end of the week. Yes, yes. It's the podcast Middle conference. Middle Atlantic Podcast conference, conference right. Middle Atlantic right. Podcast Conference. We're going because, gosh darn it, we want to have 100,000 listeners. That's our goal, at least. Right, because then we can make $50 a week. We have a long way to go. Yeah, <laughs> we only have 999,992. I know, we need that one more person. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, okay. it's going to be fun. All right. We're looking forward to it. And uh, we went to, and we did a, uh, what's it called? A meetup. We did a podcast meetup. Alan got some content for uh, UpperWestSideRadio.com. Yeah, by the David's way, if, if you haven't listened show. yet, please tune in to UpperWestSideRadio.com. We have some wonderful programming. This is um, Bar Crow Radio, and we'll be right back with a conversation on the meaning of the word immigrant, not as a criminal act, but as an American ideal. We'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Oh, I'm so bad. I should yeah. have taken a want, picture when you were recording. I want a picture this way uh, with the skulls. Those those skulls were uh, done last year uh, by Dia de los Muertos, and different artists painted that, all that. So each artist that lives here in in Todos Santos, they came over the same day. They got one section, and each one of them created their own. So each painting is done by different artists. But they're all very similar. They're all very similar because they used uh, um, uh, a model. Yeah, but then they changed of the same it. Thing. You and can they, see they're different, yeah. yeah. So every, everyone is different. And that was done last year for Dia de los Muertos. 
So you could see all these guys and girls uh, painting. ¿Por qué el muro nos, no nos pela los dientes? Dientes. Dientes. Yeah. Porque el muro, porque el muro nos pela los dientes. El muro es the wall. The wall, yeah, right, right. It, it's, it's a little complicated to translate, uh, but I'll, I'll try. Me pela los dientes, it makes me smile, oh. or it makes me laugh about it. And it says, because of the wall, meaning uh, Trump's wall, uh, nos pela los dientes. Donald, Donald Trump's wall, nos pela los dientes, nos make us laugh. Yeah. It's so ridiculous, it makes us yeah. laugh. Yeah. So it's, it's a saying in, in, in Spanish. I like that. And uh, all the Mexicans would easily get it because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's something that we use all the time. And, and the, the, the intense color is... So uh, that was Miguel Ochoa. He's a hotel owner and builder and music producer in Baja, California, Mexico. You can check out the full interview of Miguel on Barcore Radio episode number 18. Like the other Mexicans we spoke to when we were visiting Baja in August, Miguel finds the bombast of the U.S. president ridiculous. So today on Barcore Radio, we want to present a healing tonic to Trumpian hate rhetoric by exploring the ideals of this country as an immigrant nation. I've wanted to do a show on immigration for quite a while, and here's why. Putting aside for now the story of America's horrendous treatment of Native Americans, I wanted to tell the story of the immigrant. In other words, the story of all of us. All of my life, I have felt very proud to be an American for many reasons, not the least of which is what I understood the United States to be, a country of immigrants. I have always believed that living in a land with people from all over the world was, a un was unique amongst nations. No other country has the advantage of sharing the cultural richness that Americans have. I believe that the majority of immigrants that come to our shores make this a better country. So maybe the next immigrant will be another Albert Einstein, Bob Marley, Anne Rand, Irving Berlin, John Lennon, Thomas Nast, Igor Stravinsky, just to name a few great Americans who were immigrants. But today, I am not proud to be an American. I am not proud of my country. When I travel to Mexico or Ireland or Iceland, I am not proud to be an American when I talk to friends from Canada or Mexico about what is happening in the United States. I'm ashamed of the racist, misogynistic rhetoric of the man who holds the office of the presidency. He has turned back the clock to an ugly time. And I just wonder how immigrants feel. So today we're speaking with three immigrants, U.S. citizens, as a way to get a more complete sense of the immigrant experience in this country. Prior to this conversation, Alan spoke with Monica Versani. She's a professor of political science at John Jay College, and she co-authored a book in 2016 entitled Policing Immigrants, Local Enforcement on the Front Lines. She talks about the patchwork system of immigration enforcement in major cities in the interior of our country, away from the Mexican-U.S. border. About the rules first, this was one of the, the central, you know, issues that we looked at in this study that back in, again, the mid, the mid 20th century up through the 1990s, there was kind of, give or take, one national approach to immigration. Um, the federal government was really in charge and set the rules. And that was kind of that. I mean, again, you can find exceptions here and there, but that was more or less what was going on. But in this, in this current context, sort of like 2002 to the present, what we've had develop, and this is a word that we use in our in our book, is this multi-jurisdictional patchwork. So there's a patchwork of, of approaches across the country. There's there isn't one unified approach across the country. Um, now that now that there's been this this um, offer to local governments to get involved, so you have everything across the gamut. You have localities that are very um, into enforcing immigration at the local level and are gung-ho about it. And I mean, the most egregious example of that was Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Arizona, um, the sheriff of, of, um, of the area around Phoenix. And then there's a lot of localities and place cities, counties that aren't doing, don't have sort of official policies on immigration. Um, and then there's many places now that they're in the news a lot recently that are, you know, 
sort of informally called sanctuary cities, but mm-hmm. sort of more formally called um, non They're places that have non-cooperation ordinances. With us today are three American immigrants. Ivana is an immigrant from the former Czechoslovakia. She is an apartment management. She is in apartment management, and she's a hobbyist, or she was a hobbyist for many years. She did made lo- loved to make things with her daughter, but she has turned one of her passions of photography into an art. Uh, we interviewed Ivana on Bar Crawl Radio on episode 17, so take a listen. It was during a showing of her beautiful photographs of nature. And today we'll be continuing our conversation with Ivana, and this time more about her immigrant experience. Joe is an Irishman and an American through and through. He's in education and has lived with his partner in New York City for many years. And in this icy environment is not using his complete name to protect his students. And Joy is an immigrant from the Philippines. And Alan, she's an educator, mm-hmm. like you and I, and mm-hmm. she's a wife of an educator. Uh, she, has, um, she is a mother, and she too is an avid hobbyist. And you can read about her hobbies, including run, uh, running, furniture rehabbing, and cultural dancing on her blog, Joyous Serendipity. We have so much in common with Joy. Uh, Alan and I are also educators, and we're furniture creators, and we share your enjoyment of being a grandparent. Yeah. yeah. Welcome all. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. The first thing that, that I'd like to learn is where you were from originally. What was your life like in your own country? Uh, and I guess we could begin with Joy. Okay. Right. Sure. So uh, what, what was your life like in the Philippines? Well, um, I actually grew up, well, I was born in the city where General Douglas MacArthur landed the second time in 1946. What city was that? That is in Tacloban City. Mm-hmm. So if you know Imelda Marcus, Heard well, her. then you know where I'm from. I'm from where she is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in actually a little fishing village. Um, but by the time I was in sixth grade, my grandmother, my mother, shipped me to the city. So what does that mean, <laughs> ship you to the city? Well, Sounds I like guess you were a bad girl. No, she, my older sister was already in the city, okay. and she was attending a grammar school, and she wanted me to have the same. It was about education. It was definitely, and she was yeah. a teacher. My, yeah. my grandfather was a supervisor of wow. school, superintendent of schools. My grandmother was a teacher as so well. So it's a family tradition. Yes, yeah. and she did not want me to go to the school where she was teaching. Her twin sister was a banker. So we were probably, or I lived not, you know, probably middle class is what I can say. Um, so it was comfortable. It was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, is it comparable to life in the United States, or is, it, is there some difference? Well, it can be, and because we were colonized by the U.S. for right. 40 years, so right. we literally had quite a few things that are from here. And my uncle also was already here in the 60s, so he would send us catalogs, Sears catalogs and all those. So I, I saw architecture at this, you know, we saw your appliances and all of that. And so... So it wasn't I had that much of a culture shock when you came to no, America? No, no, it, it really wasn't. Uh, in fact, I hate to say this, but when I arrived in L.A. is where I first arrived. Actually, San Francisco, then I went to L.A., I thought, oh my gosh, it's the same as the Philippines. It's, it's dirty, the roads are... <laughs> so that yeah. was in my head. But, you know, when I visited D.C. for the first time, I think that was the m- most major city I first visited, that's when I said, oh, okay, this is America. And then, of course, I... We were in Puerto Rico, though. That's where uh, right, we first right, right. went. when you started. So right. That was like home. So I felt like I never really left. I was culture shocked when I first visited Florida and we went to Publix for the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, look wow. at all this Yeah, food. Publix is a supermarket <laughs> yeah, in, in Florida. Different. I don't think they have so it. How about you, Joe? What was, what was your life like in Ireland? I came from um, a middle-class background in Dublin. Uh, my parents were both working. Uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked and had a decent job. I had a decent education as well. Um, you lived across the street from a country club. 
We did. We did. We weren't part of the country club. We weren't that rich. You know, we, we, but you were close to it. About that. So you, did, you didn't actually go into the country club? No, it was, it was a big... Or sneak It was in. a very high wall, so... I, I, I've I been there, I didn't yeah. jump the wall, but... Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I had a good education. Um, Catholic school, all boys. Um, and when I graduated high school, I had a job. So even though there was a recession, the economy didn't affect our family, or it didn't affect me. And it wasn't the reason for me immigrating to the States right, or right, coming right. over to the States. So, so you liked your life there in Dublin? No, I didn't like it in terms of the way I was, reason why I came over, I, because of, I was figuring out who I was and mm-hmm. my sexuality yeah. and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And coming from a, a family that was uh, avid churchgoers, my father, seven-day churchgoer, and uh, I was an altar boy, and you know the whole story. Right. And uh, going to a Catholic school and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So um, my life was very much involved around the church and uh, community work and all that kind of stuff. So to be closeted was was um, something that I couldn't live with. So I had to kind of figure out where what I'm going to do. So and Joe, you- was that your inciting incident in terms of coming to America? Just that you wanted to break away, like a clean break from. Yeah, it was that. It was that, and mm-hmm. I, I was also in, a, in I was in retail for five years after I left high school, and it was a retail as a you know it's a fine job, but it wasn't the career. It wasn't I wasn't setting any foundation to get a career going. Right. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't really focused on that. I was in my early twenties. I wasn't focused on that. Um, not like twenty year olds today, where that's what they're focused on. I was more focused on figuring out who I was. Well, that was the time for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I hopped on a plane and made the decision, and I came over. And uh, and you came to New York City. I came to New York City, the and Big w- Apple. Was yeah. that a culture shock? Not really, because you co- lived in Dublin. I lived in Dublin, but yeah. it's in two different cities. Right, that's uh, true. So one with eight million people, one with uh, a million. Yeah. So it was a, it was a huge it's, culture it's shock. It's different. On other bases, too. Yeah. They're very different places. Yeah. Yeah. They're both big cities, but very different. And yeah. you must have been able to find people that you were comfortable with. and. Well, I had my sister who was here a year prior. She lived on the Long Island. So I stayed with her for a little bit, and then I came into the city. No, I mean about the community, yeah. like the gay community. Oh, oh well, I, I, it took me a while even to just kind of get the, the gumption. Get to, your bearings. To, yeah, yeah. To, <laughs> the, I was uh, very kind of nervous, but excited, mm-hmm. and didn't know anybody who was gay, and didn't know who I could... Yeah. Uh, I think the first well, bar I, went, I think the first bar I went into and I roamed for hours around Greenwich Village because I looked on the subway map and I saw oh, there's Greenwich Village. Oh, that's do you that's remember where what I the gotta, first bar I was? Go. That's, that's where, where you have to go. Well, the first bar I went into was a lesbian bar. Uh, <laughs> I think I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have. How old? How old were you? I was 24. 24. 24. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, my first bar experience. But it was, and then um, I finally became comfortable with my own sexuality and told some friends. Uh, some good friends who are Irish friends who, right. who travel back and forth, and um, the rest is history. So, Ivana, tell us your experience or your what life was like and and how it was, how you felt when you came to America. Well, I think out of all three of us, I had probably the biggest culture shock because we had no classes. I, w- I was growing up in communism, um, and I was uh, from a second largest city in Slovakia, it's current Slovakia, former Czechoslovakia, called Košice, and um, it's a beautiful city now. Um, when I, when I uh, was living there, you know, during communism, everybody um, had about the same furniture and same clothes, there was nothing in stores. Uh, during, um, like in food, there was, uh, you know, in the winter you can get potatoes and onions and carrots, that's about it. And once a year you get bananas, or in summer, once a year you get um, watermelon. So it was, we had shortage of everything, even yeah. toilet paper, even, you know, you know, regular basic things that you need. Um, so, but then the communists, if you were in Communist Party and if you were high up, then there were hidden treasures, mm. and I did not want to join the party. So I had a lot of disadvantages, and one of them was um, my um, director of a job where I worked. I worked in science library. He did not want to sign my paperwork because I was not in a party. So 
And when I came here and I walked in a supermarket, I just could not speak because so similar, to, yeah, to see the shelves and the you know the food, it was just like we had one coffee, one, not a whole row of coffees, right, right. you know, as a choice. So it was a huge culture shock for me. So you were here, and you found out through family that if you went back to Czechoslovakia, you would go to jail because you overstayed your visa. Right? right. I only got a visa for two weeks, and I had to promise that I'll come back. They gave me a really hard time to leave. I already had a plane ticket, but they would not sign my paperwork. Uh, and I went through like five different interviews with different people, um, and they finally signed it, and, and they said... They didn't say what's going to happen if I don't come back. I didn't even think about it. And at that point, actually, honestly, I wasn't sure what I'm going to do. I was going to say, did you, had, you decided before you came to America? No, 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 I didn't. I mean, I knew it would be better life for us, but you didn't know anything about America. Like, I didn't even, you know, see pictures. Like, there was nothing you would be able to buy or see or even in books about history. There was all eliminated from our school books. So mm. I didn't know anything. I just knew when my mom came to visit her sister, she came back and she got all dressed up and brought these clothes and it was like, wow, it was just amazing. So I knew it's something really special. And it, but it was just in my mind, just dreaming what it's like. And I wasn't sure um, what I'm gonna do. But uh, when I came, um, I decided to stay. I wanted to help my family, and I knew there is no other way they could come. Um, that I have to start this journey, whether I want it or not. It would be, be better for me and my family. And um, then I, I met my husband a few months later, and when we got married, I was able to invite um, everybody to the wedding, and that's how everybody came. Right. You know, Ivana, you, you bring up an interesting idea, and I wondered if the, our other two guests could address that, and that is before you came here, you just had an idea of the United States. Um, and I wonder if you can go back to that time when you're still in the Philippines, you're still in Dublin, Ireland, and you're thinking about it. What did you see? What was the United States? What was your image? What was the idea? What was the idea of a, a United States? I'm, calling, I'm not calling it America because we're the United States. Yes. Well, I've always, um, like I said, I s I've seen it through catalogs and uh, yeah. and my uncle when I here's one thing that I always remembered when my uncle from California would visit every time they open their luggage there's a certain scent interesting that is simply American wow yes I didn't and know we even, had a smell yes you do <laughs> yes we do because now when I go home uh -huh. I, I bring the same thing so I always had that you know Oh, that's wow. that's what the U.S. That's what America smells like. Was it a pleasant like. scent? Was it was. It? A, it's a pleasant scent, but it's a very, it's a distinctly American scent, and I would only smell it every time they came, uh, and it was always in December. So there's nothing really in the Philippines that's special in December, but that's how I would smell it. So, but years later, when I went home to visit. Then my sister would say, oh, now you smell like our uncle when they, when they would come home. So I said, I guess now I'm an American because yeah. I smell the same. That's so funny. So but that you was, smell like an American. Yes, there is a particular <laughs> scent when you open the luggage. I don't know if it's because of our laundry detergent. I don't know because I don't smell it here. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, That's yeah. Joe, what about you? For, What's, for uh, me, well, when I was a kid, I used to always watch the Westerns. My, yes. my father was a big Western fan. Loved John Wayne and all the old black and white Western. We used to watch it constantly every every weekend. That's what we used to do. He also worked in in we, we kind of worked in the tourist industry. He ran a store that sold sell trinkets and coat of arms and stuff like that. Right. So we'd get a lot of Americans coming in. So we had a, I had different perspectives of Americans. One from TV and movies and the shows we used to watch, but also from people watch coming in tourists coming in. Right. And the other one is just. I found Americans to be very, and that's not a very complimentary thing, but I found right. them to be just very big. <laughs> I found them to be very large people. And, and loud. Lo lo and loud. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they were very nice. And I thought it was very romantic in a way that when they'd say, oh, I'm from Texas or I'm from uh, California. And I said, oh, 
this 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 kind of had this romantic romantic view of what uh, California was like or New York was like or what other yeah. states were like. Yeah. Uh, but the people were just lovely people, but just loud and very very big. Right. And that's that's why. And in part, you got it through film. Yeah. Through American films, right. because American films per- percolates throughout the entire world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you get? Did you have any uh, run into any problems? Like, you found out that you couldn't go back to Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. and yet you weren't an immigrant yet. I mean, did, were you afraid that America would say no? No, uh, for some reason I was only 21. I, I didn't. I didn't even think about it. I was safe with my aunt. I was living with her and helping her with the kids and helping in the restaurant. What I was worried about is my mom who who sent me a letter. She said, "Well, you if you want to come back now, you cannot you cannot because you'll go to prison. And in order for us not to get in trouble, um, you have to write a letter the reasoning why you stayed." to kind of protect her from going to prison. Oh, my gosh. So I was very worried about them, and I wrote this letter apologizing to her, and I um, embellished a lot of things so it looks good for the government, and uh, sent that letter, and then she was fine. Oh, that's good. And Joy, what about you? Did you run into Well, Joy, you didn't want to become an American (laughs) right away. Yes, I think I have a a different uh, experience. A different experience, because... I did not really have any political, um, you know, problem issues in the back home. Um, like I said, I grew up in a, you know, modest uh, background. And you thought you were going to go back home? Yes, because <laughs> I was waiting. I, I when I got married, my mom said, "Don't worry, I will have a, a nice maid for you." A maid. Yes, because right, in the Philippines, home. that's very, you know, common. that's common. And so here I was waiting. And I never had a maid, and I'm married 31 years, so I'm still waiting for that. Maybe that's the only reason I will I'm ever go back. I'm waiting for my maid, too. <laughs> so, Me, too. <laughs> yeah. We're all so waiting. I, I never really planned to stay, but my husband, we just kept, he just kept getting the opportunities to remain. So I remained, uh, and the, he became a U.S. citizen as soon as we were eligible and I just waited. I, I don't know. I just really did not want to renounce. There's a sentence there that we have to renounce right. citizenship. And, and you love the Philippines. My mother was yeah. still there and my parents. My, and I love the Philippines and I still do. So I really held on for a very long time until 9-11, after 9-11. So that's when I decided because everyone else in the family was a citizen and I wasn't. That's when I felt like, okay, I'm. If something happens, and I don't know, it just felt like I was different. Right. So you, that's when I decided. You talked about that in your yeah. in your blog about how you were afraid to cross the border to go into Canada. Yes. Were you concerned that if you that or or when you had to stand in a different line coming back? Were you con- was the concern that you would be separated from yes. your family? Yes. And I was just telling Erin, because she, last night, when you change citizen, change status in the U.S., right. you have to also change status outside so that you are rec- recognized by the embassy. So, so when we became immigrants here, that was fine. But when we changed from one non-immigrant visa to another non-immigrant visa, you have to go out and request or apply again for that visa. They are autonomous. The embassies are autonomous. They can deny you. That was what I was afraid of. That's why we never went home for nine nine years for me, 11 years for my husband. Because we changed from student to working visa. Yes, we are legal here at that time, but we were not recognized on the outside. Right, and you had a friend who did that. Oh my, yeah. And he had, he had to, to sell. And the he lost. His, he could no longer come to America. None. Joe, did you have anything similar it's to that? Something similar to that. But initially, when I came over to this country, I had a, I had a visa. I had a, a holiday or vacation visa, and basically, you could come and go as you want, mm-hmm. but you can't work. So I was lucky in the sense I got a good visa. I could I could work under the table, which is what mm-hmm. I did. Right. I didn't. I. I went back once or twice, but I always I was always a little nervous about that. 
but then um, that expired. There's a there's a limit on that. I'm not sure what the time limit was, right, but right, it, right. but you were here and you were you were basically unauthorized. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Uh, you couldn't work, and uh, but I managed to work doing bits and waitering, construction, whatever. But it was. you were not a criminal. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the definition now. That's what Trump's Correct, definition yeah. of a criminal is now, yeah. as someone who's unauthorized. But it was interesting. What or you someone said, who's illegal. Or not quite That's legal. what he calls them. He yeah. calls them illegal. Because yeah. in 1992, I was I, I put my name into a lottery system called Donnelly Visa. Oh. For for Irish and, and I think British citizens, that you put your name on the list and it, you don't have to be skilled in any, or have a certain education. You just have to be, have a desire to come to the states. And I put my name in for that. And there's a chance it's like winning the lottery, literally. And I actually won it. That's great. So, but I had to go back to the state, to yeah. Ireland, yeah. to to claim it. Well, to claim it, but, but but by way of claiming, you have to go for an interview with the yeah. U.S. Embassy there. Mm. You have to go for a medical. You have to go for uh, oh, they're all still going to vet you. They're still going to vet you. And then if you if you don't, if you get it, you're good. You're good to go. And if you don't get it, then you you're stuck. All right. So you you all now are U.S. citizens, but do you feel like you're a U.S. citizen like? Say, I am a U.S. citizen. I was born here. Becky was born here. Are you the same U.S. citizen that I am? I don't and you're all shaking, all their, shaking head their heads. No. What about Ivana? you, Ivana? I feel totally American. And I love this country. Okay. All right. Okay. I feel like a U.S. citizen. Okay. <laughs> so, Ivana, yes, and and, and well, enjoy, I do enjoy. too. Definitely. I yeah. I feel I am an American, but I also still love my culture. Where right. that I grew up. But yet you had to renounce that culture in a way. Well, I had to renounce, yes, allegiance to my to my country. But, and, but I can be a dual citizen, but I have not elected to do so. So right. I am through and through American now. Right. And Joe, you feel a difference. You feel... I feel yeah. When you, when you asked me to come on and talk about this, mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about um, the question about do you feel American? Do you feel Irish? Do you, what is, where, where do you feel you belong? You know? Right. And I still miss, my, I, I totally identify with my Irish heritage and culture and the fact that I lived half of my life nearly over there. You were happy. I was happy, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also take, you know, I'm very appreciative of being in America and being an American citizen uh, because everything that I've gotten up to this point, uh, who I am sitting at this table, has been because of America. Right. And you, you help your students. Mm-hmm. to become, and I, I, I always have a problem with the use of the word American, because Mexicans are Americans too, right. Can, Canadians are Americans, yeah. so I, I, I don't quite know how the, the word to use, we're United Statesians. <laughs> U.S. Civilians. Oh, right. I, mean, I mean, everyone lives in the North and you know, South America right. where they're American, but you help uh, your students to become citizens of the United States, and you run into problems, and you were telling me about well, that. Well, we have some, some students, um, high school students, who um, are undocumented, are DACA, DACA students. And yeah, you're trying to yeah. get them into college. I'm getting them into college, yeah. So yeah. Um, tell, us, tell us about your students, or maybe give us an example of one. Um, well, you, you have a, um, a kid who comes over when they're like very young, the four or five. Right, right. Uh, it's just them, maybe their siblings and mom, who's working as a nurse's aide or something like that. But mm-hmm. mom is undocumented as well. And they do really well academically. They got strong grades, uh, nice kids. All of them have been really great kids academically. They're ready for college, and, but they're also they're kind of like they know they're living in the shadows and they're nervous about it. Right. And they don't want to tell Especially anybody. Especially today. And they don't want to tell their friends. Um, I hear about it from me asking their guidance counselor if there is anyone that they know of. So usually the guidance counselor knows. So then I maybe will put the. Uh, kid aside and have a chat with them and let them know that it's going to be okay. That's nice. Find out, meet, meet with the mom, meet with the father, tell, whatever tell, it is. What, is the, what is the kid feeling? Um, Scared. What, yeah. Especially now. I've got, I've got two kids. And they're DACA. Uh, one is DACA, one is just a, is an American immigrant. Right. And it, sorry, it turns immigrant. out becoming a DACA was not such a smart thing. It wasn't something that they had any control over. Well, you, you chose well, it. Was, it was better than nothing. No, yeah, at the they, time. They can live above the shadows. Right. Or, you know, they can come out of the shadows. But now they're seen. It. Now they're seen, yeah. So they're, they are nervous about it. Uh, so they keep quiet. They keep really quiet. But um, what a way to live. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, 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 that impacts every aspect of your life. Yeah. And there's different kind of strata of, of immigrant students, okay, and, and families. Because we have, I have, I remember my first or second year in, in this particular role, I had a family 
uh, mom and dad were had ID numbers, tax mm-hmm. ID numbers. So they weren't legal, mm-hmm. but they had tax ID, and they ran a, a corner deli or something. Wow. And their two kids uh, were in my. I was taking care of them for getting them into college. And when it came to financial aid, it was always like very nervous. They were like, "How are we going to do this? Because wow. you can't put the parents um, on the FAFSA." Essentially, so right. but we managed to because they were citizens, the kids were citizens, but the parents were. They, New York, thank God for New York State and the Department of Education in New York State because New York State is a very liberal uh, policies regards to uh, higher ed- education and uh, tuition and all that kind of Certainly stuff. Certainly not true of the rest of the country. Right. No, right. and that's one right. of the things that uh, we this when we interviewed the the book author um, talks about is the for example sanctuary cities and and in some cities it's crazy where there's um, literally, I think some city in Connecticut, like you cross the street, you don't want to cross the street because on that on that side of the street there's county, ordinances. you know, ordinances, and and on the other side it's the city ordinances, and on the you know the county ordinances they're going to pick you up, and if you you know don't have a driver's license or something they're going to screen you, and you could be deported. So you stay on this side of the street. It's crazy. We're, we're, we're living, it, it is crazy. We're, we're living in some unusual times now. Uh, our president has not made it easy uh, for those people who are unauthorized. He calls them illegal immigrants. Um, and and uh, I, I was wondering, what is your feeling about the present administration and its approach to immigration, you being, um, you know, immigrants? Yeah, how do you feel uh, yeah, under this administration? Joy had something to say about this, I think. Well, um, I feel it's, I was just, uh, when I was flying here, I was actually telling Ivan as well that I feel so conscious about the way I look, my color. Right. Like Mm. when I was walking, you know how, obviously I wasn't in first class when I came here, so you know how they're already seated and you're now group six and so you're like late to go in and you have all the have you had the experience where have all the eyes looking at you Mm -hmm. like you're as you're walking to the back I never noticed those eyes looking at me before so yes uh, Sunday I'm walking and I'm thinking I wonder if they're looking at me because I'm just walking or are they looking at me okay I, I don't know I just felt like it yeah, but the feeling you have is 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 your your feeling. Yes, yes. that's right? how and, I'm feeling And it does come now. out of now, the moment. Yes, because I look like a Mexican. Look at my daughter; she looks like Honduran or You're something. You're beautiful. You're both <laughs> gorgeous. You guys are gorgeous. So, so um, all of a sudden, I feel like, feel like I'm unwanted here, and I've been here for 31 years. Right. I've contributed to society. I've never been illegal. I've, I've, I've. I sacrificed not seeing my family for over nine years because I did not want to become an illegal alien here. And we followed the law. We paid our taxes to the cent. But yet we get, I feel like we get lumped into one whole thing of immigrants. Not even now illegals. Even immigrants are now like pariah for some reason. So I feel like I'm unwanted all of a sudden. Right. And I'm a good member of society. I help educate so many. I've been a teacher for over 30, I'm so over 17 years. I've helped educate American kids. So why am I now part of that? Well, we're not welcome. At least that's how I feel. Ivana, do you personally. feel that way? You know what I was going to say, though. Yeah. The thing that's interesting about Ivana, too, and the fact that you guys both shook your heads like you're not quite, you know, completely comfortable here to have left, you know, your your home homeland. And you had a very different feeling. And I really think that has to do with the fact that you probably, I'm sure you had a, you a happy life with your mother. There was a lot of love and family and that. But there was something that wasn't very comfortable there. Right, I have absolutely no problem giving up my Czechoslovak citizenship. I had no problem, and I don't think maybe if I retire, I could go back, you know, live there if I would have to. But since my family is here, no, America is my America is my country. I would not trade it, and you know, obviously, whatever is going on, I understand. Uh, but for me. Uh, 
the biggest shock was 9-11 um, because I, I always felt that America was a strong country and, and I don't have to be afraid and I felt free, you know, for my religion and for everything. I just felt like a free person. Um, and after 9-11, I just felt so weak and I couldn't stop watching the news for like two weeks. Like right. This big, giant country got attacked. I was... I was in shock, right. and, and and I still feel that um, you know it's it's an amazing country, and I wouldn't trade it for any other. Uh, I definitely wouldn't. I think that's what we're feeling too. Is that I mean, because you look at the, the the changes in the laws that happened after it was in the late '90s too, but especially after 2001, um, there's been a reverberation from that attack, which has been an unfortunate outcome has been the attitude towards immigrants. Right, but I don't feel, like for example, I'm really sorry you feel that way, and, I, I, and I, maybe it's in your head, and it's because, you know, what, what's happening in the news, but I feel that there are places where I go to, I feel weird. You know, it could be different religion or different color. I also, so I think when you are in there there are certain parts of the country or even in brooklyn when you when you go there you could feel uncomfortable because you feel like you don't belong and i don't know if there is a country in this world where everybody feels they belong you know i'm not sure i think it's a bigger question well the i think that that's the thing though about america is that this is not a homogeneous country and so we kind of bring who we are and and there's there's prejudices. We all have them. So it's something that we have to deal with and we have to grapple with. Um, but yet we also have the, the value of the cultures. I, th I think you have prejudices no matter what country no matter you come from. Absolutely. But I think the unique thing, what, what gets me is that I'm just get, I get very angry when I hear the rhetoric coming out of D.C. and this Absolutely. I'm very angry because I've, I've gone to Ellis Island, the museum, every year with, with our, our class of students um, to show them the exhibit and to hear the stories from different uh, populations around the country coming to the re um, mm. reasons why they're coming here. And I'm nearly brought to tears every time I see it from, from my own personal um, mm. uh, perspective of looking at it and listening to it. And I, I get angry because this is what America is. It is. You know, You're it's, it's right. not what. what is currently going on with Trump in, in, in D.C. This is not what America is. What were you going to say? What, 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 what is that? America, this is what well, America is. Well, Becky touched on it earlier. We are, this is an experiment. And I thought we, it's very cliche because everyone says that, right? But it's true. You know, there's no other country where the only, it was established to, as a haven for people coming from other places. The push-pull factor. They're, they're being pushed out for economic or civil war or whatever other reasons. Or my reason because I was oppressed sexually. Or it could be because they're being pulled here because of the economic situation. And here. you saw something there. here. Yeah. That Absol reached absolutely. out to you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it reaches out in some way for different reasons to all three of you. But there's right? no other country in the world that is, is it's founded on the principle of being a multicultural country. Founded on other people coming into this country, this it's piece of land. No other country is founded on that. I think I think it's it's more about the it's what it is. It's what it had to be. I, I, I just wanted to share that, um, interestingly enough, Melania Trump and my husband... Yeah, she's an immigrant. ...came on the same status, used the same um, status. Yeah, students to No, they were not students, but oh. the way that they became um, immigrants was the same uh, visa status. It was an EB1, I think. Uh, which is for extraordinary um, individuals. Oh, so okay. hers is in the arts. Mine, my husband was in um, education. So they both use the same category. And um, I, I, I just wanted to share that because every time we hear the president, it's her, like her husband. your own, yes, your, your own, own wife, wife and came in that category. And, you know... You well, she was welcomed here. We are all welcomed here, and um, let's not close doors. Let's not. I don't know. It's just so weird for me. A lot of our Filipino friends came as professors and all of that. We are, at least I think we are, 
great members of society and uh, we assimilated and so I just I hope that the stigma against immigrants will go away soon because it's kind of harder now it's uncomfortable yeah. uh, our daughter though well they don't feel anything although Erin feels like for all of a sudden she's conscious about or not conscious but sees her as a different color now because she said mom I never even thought I was Filipino right she right. was always she's got she's American. a second generation yes, yes. She's so American. she's always American yes what about this idea of the American dream do you think that you're living it I think I am actually um, I have freedom and my kids are happy and I'm working and I'm ready for my retirement you know not kind yet. of not yet but a kind of you know saving up and um, I don't think I would be able to accomplish this in Slovakia definitely not so I'm very happy I made the choice to come and stay and go through the naturalization process and you know bring my family here my sister and my mom and um, I think, you know, we all helped each other. I think we just have to embrace each other and then have more compassion for each other. And, yes. and I think that's the only way to go. And, and, and Joy, you hesitated to become a citizen, but you, you became a citizen. Do you feel that you've lived the American dream? I, I definitely have. Uh, and I'm still living it. Um, and I wouldn't have, I would not trade it for the world. I mean, I probably can go home and live there again, but um, no, this is home. Uh, that's my second home now. This is my first home, mm -hmm. and my husband feels the same. So. Right. And Joe? Well, I remember when uh, here in this blow blue eyes, Frank Sinatra saying, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Right? So I always thought about that when I was coming over here and working through, going through the process of getting different jobs and getting through it, my education and stuff. So to answer the question, yeah, definitely living the American dream. Got a great life. Uh, I worked hard for it. Uh, but America, still working hard for it. Still working hard. But yeah. America provided that opportunity that I don't think I would have gotten back in Ireland. Right. Right. It's amazing that we have to have these conversations. It just should be kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. You you live here. I live here. We're we're all yeah. United Statesians, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, there 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 shouldn't even be a a twinge of a. Right. Right. of a thought, of an idea, uh, but yet we're in this kind of bifurcated place where you're an American, but you're not an American, and you're illegal, and you're unauthorized. And well, you know what, I've got to look at the, I, I'm an optimist by, uh, by, by nature, I always think of the glass half full, so I always think this day will pass, and I think uh, what helped me get through my uh, difficulties back in the 90s was the government, was through Clinton and Bill Clinton and the Democrats. Uh, Trump will go someday. You know, it will be a new Congress. It will be a new Senate. I think uh, we can look beyond this administration to a better, uh, more optimistic country again. This is uh, Bar Crawl Radio. We're uh, recording from Gepards. We're talking about immigration. I think we're all immigrants. Yeah, well, you know? we are. It's like we came. That's we true. came from the mind of God. And we immigrated to the earth, if, if we and we're going to immigrate away from it again eventually. <laughs> so uh, you know, no one, no one belongs here, or we all belong here. Or we all belong equally, here. absolutely right. equally. We're universalists because we're all, we all live and we're here and we're together, and then we're not. And so, what what does it mean to be an immigrant? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of a meaningless thing. We're talking. We're human beings. We're human beings. Amen. Living, living in this place That's right, right now at this moment. Yes. Thank you very much, Thank Ivana and Joy much. and Joe, for sharing your experiences of being a United Statesian immigrant. <laughs> I'm going to start a new, a new term here. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay, uh, well, that's our show for today. We are Bar Crawl Radio, coming to you from Gephardt's Bar on West 72nd Street. That, of course, is the Upper West Side, Manhattan. You can hear Bar Crawl Radio podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And now we're playing on UpperWestSideRadio.com. Check the Upper West Side Radio schedule for times. And tell us what you think about our show. Email us at Bar Crawl Radio or tweet us at Bar Crawl Radio. The next Barker Radio show will carry on the U.S. immigration theme, 
We'll talk with political scientist Monica Varsani about her book, Policing Immigrants, Local Law Enforcement on the Front Lines, and with immigration lawyer Cyrus Maida. These certainly are perilous times, but a respectful conversation and a favorite brew or two, it certainly makes me feel better. Thank you.